your mind is like a garden. It doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's fake. That's why you get scared at scary movies. So when it comes to the journey of fulfilling your mind, because you got the conscious mind and you got the subconscious mind. Now the subconscious mind is pretty much your habits, which is something that you truly got to break. Now we all went down a line of, of dealing with trauma, uh, whether it was our childhood, adulthood, whatever it might be. But along those journey of dealing with that trauma, you have to pinpoint certain things that you dealt with. This is where emotional intelligence come into play. Now, emotional intelligence is pretty much just self-mastery, having that self-awareness, self-regulation, having that empathy, not sympathy, but just knowing what your triggers are that'll put you in those predicaments. You're listening to The Rich State of Mind Show, the podcast made to make you the total package in the entrepreneurial world and give you what we call a rich state of mind. If you are here looking to learn about real estate investing, marketing, elevating your business, and developing your mindset to get to the next level, then you are at the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join our community on richstateofmind.com. Now, here's your host, Anthony Ritchie. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Rich State of Mind, where I'm talking to Sylvester Jenkins III. Uh, I like this episode. We're switching things up from talking about investing. We're going to be talking about mindset. This episode is called GPS because it's a term from Sylvester that I got, which stands for Goals, Purpose, and Strategy. Sylvester, he served our country for 21 years as a first sergeant and a retiring from the army. Uh, he has empowered thousands of people in helping reach their goals, both per- personally and professionally uh, because of his motivational speaking. So uh, please listen to this episode. This will kind of help you hone in on the goals that you need to do, what your purpose is and how you're going to get there by identifying a strategy. Uh, thank you for listening and please enjoy. Hey, Sylvester, thanks for taking the time this evening. Uh, I really appreciate this episode because we're going to be talking about a lot of motivational uh, topics. I haven't talked about motivation and uh, this type this type of mindset when it comes to motivation since episode three, actually. So season one, about a year ago. So I- I'm looking forward to hearing from your perspective this topic. Uh, so if you could please tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Okay, thank you. First and foremost, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with your audience. Uh, so I'm, uh, my name is Sylvester Jenkins III. Uh, I'm a, a Army veteran. I spent 21 years in the military. I'm an a author. I self-published uh, three books. Um, I'm also a best-selling author in my first book. I'm also a mental health advocate and a, a adversity and resilience speaker. Awesome. And so uh, break down to me, you, you know, your 21 years of service, uh, what are some things that you learned in the army that you now have transitioned into your life now? Uh, so I think the main thing that uh, I have transitioned into my life now is the fact of resilience, uh, patience and resilience, because, um, you know, during your time in the military, man, it's going to be many obstacles that you face and they try to break you down mentally in order to build you back up. And uh, going along that journey, man, you still face um hardships not only professionally but personally as well just dealing with the family issues so along this journey uh in the military i was able to take away a couple of nuggets especially dealing with resilience i went to the master resilience course while i was in there and um it was a phenomenal course got the uh, opportunity to learn um just what it is as far as being able to bounce back from adversity technique skills and all those things in order to help me to have a growth mindset along that way and to be able to handle certain circumstances that I might have dealt with throughout my time and being in the military. So um, that's pretty much uh, in a nutshell, man, what I took away from that, just patience and resilience. Uh, I got a good question. Uh, what made you join? Uh, so for me, man, like uh, a lot of people always say they joined to serve their country, but I joined to get away from my environment, man. Mm-hmm. You know, I was uh, I grew up in a single parent home. Uh, surrounded by drugs and gang infested neighborhood um, just was a uh, felt as though I was a total failure man because uh, I didn't think I had what it took in order to go to college so I knew a lot of family members that had joined the military and, and was successful behind it but then also at the same time it was security 
So of course, you know, when you come from those uh, inner city environments, the only thing you know how to do is survive. And one of the main things I wanted to do is have a source of income that I knew wasn't going nowhere, but then try to find my purpose along the way. So I chose to join the military, man. It just so happened that I fell into the realm of the army because I felt the, uh, the ASVAB. <laughs> uh, I scored low on the ASVAB and the only person that was willing to take me was the army, man. <laughs> Hey, well, it definitely you had a you had a reason as to why you got picked up, right? And you made the best out of it, uh, using all the way up to first sergeant, which is no small potatoes. You don't you didn't just fall into that. You definitely oh, no. earned that. So, <laughs> absolutely. So I wanted to talk about uh, what is your universal blueprint on mental health. That, that was one of our talking points, and I wanted to dive deep into that. Uh, I never heard it explained like that. A universal blueprint. So please tell us about that. Oh, absolutely, man. So uh, during my transition out of the military, man, I was diagnosed with PTSD, anxiety, and depression. Uh, of course, I was on multiple medications, but then I wanted to um, not depend on those things in order to uh, help me along my journey as far as not only in my family life, but also just myself as well, mm -hmm. because uh, the best investment you'll ever make is helping yourself. Yes. So, so my uh my universal blueprint is that there's only three things you can control in life okay and that's your mindset your attitude and the actions you take so in the process of um finding my way or finding myself i noticed that um in the process of developing a growth mindset there's uh, certain things you got to avoid and, and you got to set boundaries. You got to prevent yourself from going down these roads that cause you to have these, um, these things that you deal with as far as depression. It's like everybody falls, right? Falling is, at, is inevitable. It's going to happen. Somewhere down the line in your life, you're going to deal with uh, certain things, but then you have two choices once that happens, whether to stay down or to get back up. Now, I know along my journey, throughout the military that I had failed multiple times. Uh, and in the process of me falling down, I never found my way as far as getting back up completely. There was always some type of, you know, medication, hey, here go this or therapy there. Now you can't always rely on these things in order to get the treatment that you need. You have to find other solutions. And the best solution that I have found along this way was, um, you know, physical fitness, which is, you know, uh, not only good for the body, but it's also good for the mind because, you know, you got that happy, that happy chemical that's released, that endorphins, and then also provide yeah. oxygen to the brain so you can think better. And then uh, also you have um, just, you know, just filling your mind with positive things. Now, if you, your mind is like a garden, it doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's fake. That's why you get scared at scary movies. So, when it comes to the journey of fulfilling your mind, because you got the conscious mind and you got the subconscious mind. Now the subconscious mind is pretty much your habits, which is something that you truly got to break. Now we all went down a line of, of dealing with trauma, uh, whether it was our childhood, adulthood, whatever it might be. But along those journey of dealing with that trauma, you have to pinpoint certain things that you dealt with. This is where emotional intelligence come into play. Now, emotional intelligence is pretty much just self-mastery, having that self-awareness, self-regulation, having that empathy, not sympathy, but just knowing what your triggers are that will put you in those predicaments. Now, in the process of you dealing with these predicaments, uh, you've got to find some way to just exit all those things out. And one thing I found that was helpful is to listen to certain things that are always positive, like in the morning time, I meditate, I do prayer, devotional. I also, you know, go to the gym and work out. But throughout the day, the music you listen to, the videos you watch, the movies you watch, all play a system in your mind. Like your mind sees these things, a certain thing that you see in the movies, you might relate it to something that you dealt with down, down your life at some point in time. And it's so relatable to the point that it triggers something that gets you emotional, it gets you to a point where you might get angry, sad, mad, whatever it might be. So you avoid these things. Like I don't even have cable. I watch YouTube. And when I watch YouTube, it's mostly like motivational videos or as uh, like, uh, who is that? Joe Austin, <laughs> Joe Austin, TD Jakes, something within that realm, man, that I know 
um, that's going to put me in a positive state. Watch funny movies, videos, bloopers, things of that nature, because I know it's going to put me in a positive state. If you continue to pour um, water, negative water in your garden, eventually weeds going to grow. And if you continue to pour positive water in your garden, eventually positive going to grow. Now, I'm not saying that you're not going to get angry or mad somewhere down the line, but yeah. at some point in time, I mean, but once you realize it, you know what I'm saying, you know how to counteract it. So that's one thing, but then your attitude. Now your attitude, it, it defines everything. Now, this is why I tell everybody about being the thermostat and not the thermometer, okay. because I'm sure at some point in time uh, within your relationship or just um, just hanging out with friends or family, uh, you got into like a, a, a heated dispute, right? And your response was because of the way they came at you instead of, you know, you controlling the temperatures. So when you responded in a way, uh, just due to the fact of how they came at you, that was being a thermometer because you, you know, you was just- I, I raised to their level because of the aggression I got or the exact, Exactly. But then when you're a thermos, I mean, when you're the thermostat, you control the temperature. That's controlling your emotions. Because when you go through the motions of dealing with certain circumstances, you got to have the right attitude in order to deal with situations better. So you can't always uh, react or give people the attention that they might seek whenever they're coming at you in a disrespectful manner. So you always got to maintain your attitude. A winning attitude is the best way to do it. And, and I do this by having an attitude of gratitude. Now, I wake up in the morning. When I wake up in the morning, I'm already thankful for three things, right? I'm thankful for my eyesight because I get to see everything that's around me when I put my feet on the ground because I ain't no young buck no more. All right. So when I put my feet on the ground without any assistance or anything like that, I'm thankful for my mobility. And then, you know, I put my hand on my heart and I notice it's still beating. So I know I got another day at life. I know I got another day to start, you know, a new chapter or do something great, you know, when it comes down to that. So I'm just always thankful for certain things around me, whether it's good or bad. You just got to see the positive in everything that you experience, especially when it's something that you wanted so much, but then at the same time, it didn't happen in your favor. So when that thing happened, you'd be like, man, well, I guess it just went for me, right? Or you can just look at it as uh, when one door closes, another one opens. You always have to look at the positive state in order to put yourself uh, and always have an attitude of gratitude. But then, you know, the actions that you take, how you react, because your thoughts drives your emotions, your emotions drives your behavior, which affects your performance. Once all these things go together, then the next thing you know, you're, you're drooping, you're, you're sagging, you're not wanting to do anything productive, you're not wanting to carry yourself properly, you don't want to, you don't have that confidence, you don't have that motivation, you don't have that drive no more, and it's all because your thinking process, which affected your emotions, your emotions just went into your behavior, how you conduct yourself and how you act which just messed up everything that you got going on. So 10% of what happened to you affected 90% of what you got to do. Okay. I like that. And there's a, so there's a couple of things that you said, man. So one of the things that you brought up is what my father spoke a lot about when I was a child and then definitely into my younger years when I was living on my own and he was big on, he said, whatever you expose allowing to your spirit affects you know, your decision-making, your morals, your principles. He was really big on that. And I like how you brought up about always, you know, anything funny, positive mindset, something that would keep you in good spirits, vice maybe a bunch of violence or maybe a lot of sex or maybe a bunch of uh, negativity, conspiracy, stuff like that. So I do like the fact that you pinpointed on that. That is big. Um, that's why, to be honest, there are some, like, I do like rap music, but this a lot of times I find myself not, Either for one, my priorities is not to listen to music anymore, really, because I'm listening to podcasts and right. everything that's feed, feeding me information. Right. Uh, but on the other aspect, too, like when you think about some of the music that's out there, what is it really feeding into you? Right. And right. so I think that's a, and that's just music, not alone, let alone TV shows and everything, any other type of media, right? Right. And so one thing that I've been doing, and it's been taking me months to do, because I didn't realize how much. And I say months is because I, I probably should sit down for a whole day and just do it. But what I've been doing the last several months is I've been unfollowing people on my social media 
yeah. that do not properly uh, feed what I'm trying to do. And I forgot who I saw this from, they got the idea from, but they were saying that everything that I'm exposing myself to through my feed, I think it was Elijah Best, episode 31, Elijah Best. We were talking about that. Everything that I am fed through on this, on this news feed, and what is it feeding me? So I was like, you know what? I talked to my wife about it. And I looked at the people I was following. And I was like, I need to unfollow, unfollow. Like, why are they on here? They're not actually, they're making things worse for me, really distracting me from what I really need to do. Because when I'm supposed to be listening to a podcast or maybe uh, editing or doing something productive, then I get distracted and I'm looking at their, their stuff on their Instagram and it, it, it did nothing uh, for me in any way. Another thing that you mentioned was you felt like people, you cannot completely solve all your issues through therapy. And that's why you said you look for things like working out. And so I wanted to ask you, this is just from your perspective, at what point do you feel like you've pretty much met your threshold when it comes to therapy? And then now it is time to start, not necessarily you being on your own, but hey, look, a lot of this action is on you now because you've gotten all the guidance and advice you could have get, gotten from a therapist. Right. So I think everybody uh, grows at different levels. Mm -hmm. So what might, you know, once I get to a certain point, it might not be your point. So I think that's all on the individual themselves. I, I For me, it was just no, it, it was just when I realized that it got repetitive. And when it became repetitive, like I go in there and it was like, all right, now we started with this. Now we're going into this. Now we're starting back all over from scratch because it seemed as though we're going through the same things all over again. So when it got to a point where it got repetitive for me, especially after the pandemic, because, you know, it wasn't no real physical interaction no more. It was mostly just phone calls. Mm -hmm. So during that time frame, man, it was just like, hey, I'm just calling to check up on you, see how things going. All right, like what solution do you have for me today? What 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 are some things that you can provide me with in order to help me? And I was like, man, if we're gonna continue to go down this path, I can easily go talk to my spouse and get the same results. So they didn't have really no, you know, answer to that. They was just steady going to a book, which I have up in my <laughs> in my room right now. So yeah. I was like, I can easily go to the book. You just tell me what page, paragraph, or, or chapter. And I can go read it myself and have this same discussion with my spouse and get the same results. So I was like, man, I'm good. I'm going to just figure out my own way. And so that's when I just went into a, um, my own sunken place, man, and just did my own therapy. <laughs> no, I, that's pretty awesome, man, because a, a lot of people, and I, speak, I do speak to my family about this a lot. I think we sell ourselves short on how much we're able to overcome. And I think this kind of segues us a little bit into um, <laughs> your eyesight uh, versus your mindsight. So let, let's let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, can you please explain that? What, what do you mean by that? And I love your analogies, by the way, too, because there was one video, just real quick, it was one video you talk about the potato, the coffee bean, right. and the eggshell. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But yeah, eyesight versus mindsight. Yeah, so eyesight versus mindsight is is my way of connecting with uh, other individuals who don't have a, a a strong understanding the difference between having a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. So you know, a fixed mindset have a limited belief. Those are the people that feel as though they can't reach a certain level due to the fact they think they have to be born with certain things. Now we all been given the same capabilities. To be honest with you, we all had the same twenty four hours a day, in a day. We just choose how we choose to spend it. Like mm -hmm. you might do certain things that I might not do. But uh, at the same time, when you have a growth mindset, sky's the limit. You have an empowering belief. You just choose to do uh, things that's just going to enhance you to make you better when it comes along to your journey as far as whatever goals that you might have. So I use the, uh, the terminology eyesight versus mindsight because your eyesight is just seeing the things right in front of you. When you find yourself falling short, and that's the only thing you focus on because that's the only thing you see. That's eyesight. But then when you have a growth mindset, your mind is inside your brain. So you can't really see your thoughts, but you can imagine them on a, on a constant basis. And when you're imagining these things, whatever you think about tends to become reality. So I said it's seeing the things that you see or perceiving the things that you see because nobody else Whenever you're shooting for a huge goal or a huge dream, those that have not been there before will not be able to point you in the right direction. Those that have not been there before 
won't believe in what you're bringing to the table. They're like, I don't believe it. I got to see it in order to believe it. Those are the people that's still seeing from their eyesight. But that mindset, you be like, man, I'm gonna be the the number one podcast, you know, in in uh in the world. I'm gonna be the number one podcast host in the world. Now, some people be like, yeah, whatever. But you know, you know, say it from your view and your mindset that I'm gonna make it. I'm not gonna give up. I'm gonna do whatever it takes. That's why I give the uh, the analogy dealing with Tom Brady. So everybody see Tom Brady for his accomplishments and everything that he do, right? Yeah, your Tom Brady theory. Yeah, the Tom Brady theory, but don't nobody know about his background or they don't look that deep into his background in order to know what it took in order for him to get to where he is today. Tom Brady always had the mindset of being the greatest quarterback to ever play the game of football, but nobody seen it. When he got passed over by all 32 teams five times, I watched the um, the documentary of the Brady Six. And that's what get, that's what inspired me to uh, put that into that analogy. So I watched the documentary of the Brady Six, and he said every time he got passed over during those rounds, he just got more and more emotional. He got more and more upset. And he said, finally, when uh, the Patriots gave him the opportunity as the last person to ever get picked, when that happened, he said, I'm not going to waste this opportunity. I'm going to do whatever it takes to show them that they should have picked me first. And he never looked back. And look at him now. Seven-time Super Bowl champ, five-time Super Bowl MVP, three-time NFL MVP, going to the Hall of Fame, future Hall of Famer. And it's all because of his mindset. It's all because of his mindset. He never gave up when it came down to his dreams, his goals, his aspirations, and what he always said in his mind. That was plain and simple behind it. And some people, they, they fall short, and they continue to look through their eyesight instead of thinking about uh, in their mind so that's my analogy on eyesight versus mindsight and I, I do believe that because he could have easily gave, just gave up. up yep and was he the most athletic no nope. not not by a long shot there's plenty of people that have been more athletic than him that if they had his mindset i'd be curious as to where they would have been you know uh, career-wise and so that's yep. why I'm, I'm really big on you don't have to be the smartest you don't have to be you know, the dumbest, you could be right in the middle somewhere and you could still be extraordinary. I had a, a RDC. And for that, for those that don't know, the RDC is pretty much uh, pretty much who's in charge of your division in boot camp. And he was really big on that. Like you don't really to be successful. You don't need to be the best thing out there, you know, to, in order to be successful. You just got to stay consistent. If there's a blueprint, follow that blueprint and, and, and keep keep your head down and keep pushing. And then That's somewhere it. along the line, figure out how you can make something better. But there, life's not that life when it comes to success is not that there's no secret sauce. or there's no secret to it. It's right. the fact that you stay consistent with it and you believe in yourself and you will as you whatever niche or, or background you're into. Yes, there are some things that you need to know and do your research on. And that's where networking and stuff like that come from. But you get to that point because you stay consistent. And I feel like that's what. You know, let's just say there's 90% of the people in this world that are not successful and the 10% that are, I think that is the big difference outside of the people that inherited certain things, right? Right. I think that's the big difference between a lot of people because how many times you ever knew like a guy that was probably, they said, oh man, he would have been just as good as LeBron or Michael Jordan, but he just kept getting into trouble, right? Exactly. Like somebody with so much talent and not know what to do with it. Right. If they just had the right mindset. Right. And that's always a sad thing to see, too. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, so um, also, because I told you I was going to talk about, you know, your YouTube topics, man, because I thought you're, I love the way you kind of um, break down a lot of these mindset topics. Uh, altitude determines or attitude determines your altitude. What did you mean by that? As, absolutely. Uh, so your attitude determines your altitude because uh, I believe there are three different types of people in this world. And everybody faces adversity. Everybody falls down, like I said earlier. But you have two choices, whether to get back up or to stay down. But then when it comes to this analogy, I use the potato, the egg, and the coffee bean. So for this analogy as adversity, I use hot boiling water yep. for adversity. So initially looking at that potato, right? We see it. We press on it. It's hard, which can be considered as strong. But when you stick it in that hot boiling water, that adversity... 
failed a huge test on the job, failed a uh, lost a job, whatever it might be. Uh, when you stick it in that hot boiling water, what happens to the inside of that potato? It becomes soft, mm-hmm. which can't be considered as weak. But then you have that egg. Now the egg is already fragile before it even faces the adversity. But then when you stick it in that hot boiling water, it hardens on the inside. It becomes bitter. Let's say it went through a divorce. Let's say a loss of a loved one. When you experience these things, you hurt on the inside. Still has still has the same outer shell. No difference in that. But at the same time, on the inside, it's hard and it's weak. And then you have that coffee bean. Now, you get a handful of coffee beans, you stick those in hot boiling water. It's going to change that water into coffee. The same circumstance that brought it pain, it found purpose in its pain. It turned its pain into power. And this is where I feel like resilience comes into play because resilience is an important skill. Not a trait. A lot of people always think that it's a trait, like you was born with the ability to be resilient. Some people have more resilience than others, but at the same time, this is something that can be developed over time. Anybody can develop a level of resilience. So that's my analogy on that. And so when it comes to resilience, uh, I find that to be a very interesting topic because um, without going into too much detail, you know, my life, my life before I joined the military, definitely a humbling experience. And so, and on top of that, you can relate, you're in the military, you were built on, our foundation is resilience. Right. Right. <laughs> so, uh, and you find out who, who has more and who has less uh, throughout, you know, throughout your years and as you get older. And I don't think, one thing I had, I had, I didn't realize it until I had kids of my own where, you, you, the, what's the first thing we say when we have kids, right? We don't want them to go through the things that mm-hmm. we went through. And so you see some of the things that they complain about. And then as I've gotten more senior in, in, in the military, I see some of the things that the junior sailors complain about. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, are you serious? You know, I had to do bop, bop, bop in order to get by in life. <laughs> but then that is their, that's their level of right. struggle. That is where, they, as far as their resilience goes, because when, as they were getting coming up in life, period, there wasn't the same uh, issues, you know, or right. survival instincts or, or issues as we had growing up. And so I've realized that uh, resiliency at, is different at p- certain people's uh, lives. It's not based over age per se, because it's based on what they went through in their life. That is what kind of levels out what they're going to be resilient to. And then I guess you could say maybe willpower or determination will determine if they're going to get over that particular hump that we're at. Right. So uh, I have something for that. I call it the 3D effect. Okay. Right? The 3D effect is being three-dimensional by using dedication, determination, and discipline. So you wonder why a lot of these athletes that you see, like LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, um, Tom Brady, why these guys stand out amongst their peers? And it's because of the 3D effect. They were determined as far as to be the greatest of all time, as far as their game or their sport, they were dedicated to figuring out whatever it took in order to be the best at that sport. And then they were disciplined behind it. Like I'm gonna do, I'm gonna figure out what it takes in order to the, the science, the craft, whatever it might be. And they was willing to go out and venture off and, and interact with other people who they felt was on that level and, uh, and generate that, that ability in order to become who they were. So I call it the 3D effect because it helped them to stand out amongst their peers. And so since we're, we're talking about, you mentioned three champions, uh, can you uh, break down what did you mean when it came to champion mindset? Oh, yeah. So a champion mindset is, uh, so every champion was once a contender, right? Every champion was once a contender at a certain point in time. They had to go through the struggles. They had to go through uh, all kinds of fights and battles in order to make it to the top. So along that journey, they might have had to deal with multiple hardships as far as like uh, getting knocked around the ring a couple of times and falling down. Now, a champion mindset is someone who, you know, uh, never gave up. This is where the consistency comes into play, because even though they might have fell down when it came down to practice or just going through the motions of learning the craft or the skill, they, can, they stay consistent behind learning their craft and getting better along the way. So that's having a championship mindset. I love it. And again, like we were talking about, 
earlier about the resiliency and, and then the Tom Brady theory, I think if a lot of people were to kind of hone in on that, whether you're a Tom Brady hater or not, just kind of just look at, you know, his his body of work and what he's done, because what should stand out to you is the fact that he's not a, uh, a freak of nature when it comes to athleticism. So that should at least kind of make I raise your eyebrow. Like, How is this guy going to be so good uh, at what he's at what he does and dominate literally two decades of a sport? You know, right. And that's why in um, in comparison, because I, I, I prefer to baseball and basketball over football, but. I would say that I'm more impressed by Tom Brady's uh, perseverance and his career over LeBron because LeBron, I feel like athletically allows him to just be kind of a uh, Swiss army knife on the court, <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm with you on that one. Not to take away from his skill because he definitely has to have skill and he's definitely worked on his game. Right. Having that physique, 680, 260, and you can move like that. Right. Uh, makes you pretty powerful. Right. LeBron, uh, like Tom Brady ran the second slowest time for a quarterback in the 40 yard dash during the combine. Yep. So when you think about that, man, like all these other quarterbacks, six other quarterbacks that are no longer in the league were selected before him. Six. So you'd be like, man, I don't have a shot. Yeah. <laughs> I don't he was the chance. fourth string quarterback. Yeah, exactly. He was the fourth. The Patriots were about to cut him. You know what I'm saying? Best decision they ever made, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> For real. And so uh, I wanted to talk about you. You mentioned uh, turning stre- uh, stress into success. Absolutely. And so I, I want to know, is that is that something from a, a personal uh, level that you've experienced? Uh, if so, if you don't mind going into that and just also what your, you know, what your philosophy is on that as well. Yes. So I help people to turn their stress into success and uh, turn their obstacles into opportunities. And um, along their journey, everybody, like I said before, has a story. But at the same time, whatever you've been through in your life can help somebody else succeed in life. So a lot of times what worked for you, I mean, what worked on you can work for you. So a lot of times when we deal with certain stresses and certain things that we go through in life, we're able to um, prevail over that. And in the process of prevailing, we're able to help others deal with that. So I know uh, I was I dealt with a divorce, so I know how hard it can be on somebody. So for me to be able to help somebody else go through the struggles, like I don't want to say go through, I want to say grow through. Okay, okay, I like that. Grow through the struggles and help them to make it to the top when it comes to uh, dealing with a divorce. I know what it, I know what it took. I know what I dealt with. I know what I experienced. So I'm able to provide those skills so they won't be as stressed in order to turn that into success. And then when it comes to the, um, the obstacles and the opportunities. So a lot of times I dealt with uh, many doors being shut in my face. I dealt with, you know, not being able to um, do a lot of things in the military and I had to make my way. And when I made my way, if I seen somebody going through the same struggles, I was able to say, hey, work on this right here. And I bet you it'll help you out along this journey in order to create more opportunities in order for you to get better at at your craft and who you are and what you're trying to do. So those are ways that I've been able to do that. Now, I'm telling you, man, like we would have to do a series on the amount of adversity that I have faced and overcome throughout my life, man. Uh, I'll be 42 this Saturday. And along that journey, I have dealt with divorce, loss of a loved one, combat. I have also dealt with uh, financial hardship, uh, suicide ideations, multiple things that I have dealt with, man. I had multiple, I had, I got Article 15s while I was in the military. So I know what it takes to overcome adversity. I know what it takes in order to turn your stress into success because those those weigh boulders on your shoulders. And when it comes to just being able to continue to grow through those things, man, and see your way and know that you're better than where you are and want to try to climb out that hole instead of staying in it, I'm the person to help you get through it. And so how do you feel like your adversities and your success affected you as a leader? Uh, So I think uh, my adversities helped me to become a better leader. I, I, it helped me to be have more empathy when it came down to soldiers that went down that path because, you know, a lot of soldiers, they probably got into a, 
a dispute at home with their spouse prior to coming in for PT or whatnot, and they're just unmotivated. Mm-hmm. All right, hey, let me talk to you on the side real quick. Instead of just going knife hand, just saying blah 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 blah, get in the front, lean the rest. I was like, hey man, come here, let me talk to you real quick. Are you cool? Everything all right? Because they're human just like you are. They're not a machine. They're not, you know, uh, an animal or anything like that. So they deal with certain circumstances. So you can't always sit here and be uh, Superman. Sometimes even Superman had to be Clark Kent (laughs) at times. So you just can't sit here and just go to anybody or feel as though you could just approach them any kind of way. So I feel as though that there are uh, several, several, uh, several things that a leader should have. Right. And I think that's influence. That's servant leadership, self-leadership, motivation, effective communication, goals, and emotional intelligence. I feel... Sorry, go ahead, because I wanted to talk about servant leadership, but go ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I feel all leaders should have these several qualities if they're considering themselves to be a leader, because there's a huge difference between a manager and a leader, a huge difference. A manager is just competent behind what they do. They know the ins and outs when it comes to their job, but they don't know what it takes in order to be a true leader. And those are several qualities I feel that all leaders should have. And so I like the fact that you brought about, and the analogy I've or comparison I've always heard is boss and leader. Uh, right. I don't know if you've seen some of the memes where like the they have this uh, group of workers pulling this boulder, right? And then the boss is like in the back saying, "Keep going," and then the right. leaders in the front with them pulling right. that boulder right up there. I, in my, especially as the military has definitely changed in how the millennials want everything to be more linear, want everything, they want to feel like they're part of the bigger picture. And they definitely want their leadership to, to feel like their leadership's in the trenches with them. I think that style has, is definitely uh, creating a lot of success, mm-hmm. not only for the leaders, but also for the, the, the junior guys. And, and this is not just military, this is across the board in any workspace where there's some type of hierarchy. But uh, also too, you talked about servant leadership. That's not talked about a lot. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on that? Uh, that's simple, man. It's not about you. <laughs> it's not about you. As, as a leader, your, your sole purpose is to turn followers into leaders. That's your sole purpose. It's, it's not about you. So a lot of times as leaders, and I'm guilty of it too. Been down that path multiple times along my growth as far as becoming a leader. Because at, at one point in time, I considered myself to uh, be a follower that transitioned into a manager that then realized the obligation that had been bestowed upon me and became a leader. So it's not about you. In order to make your uh, any journey as far as you being in a leadership position successful, you have to think about the team first. You have to think about them in every aspect. When you serving them, they'll serve you back. They'll go through hell or high water. They'll run through a brick wall, all because they know that you care. I tell all my leaders that you got to think about the first four letters in leadership, and that's the L-E-A-D. And I said, that's leadership. I mean, that's uh, listen. Okay. That's e- emotional intelligence, attitude, and demonstrate. Because a leader knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. And then I also tell them about love. A leader, I mean, a soldier won't share love. And I'm not talking about just, you know, the regular definition of love. I'm talking about the acronym. They want your leadership. They want you to take ownership of when it comes down to you failing as well, because they want to see that you're vulnerable whenever it comes to the things that you do. You know, they want to know that they're valued. And then you also got to have that education behind it. So you just can't go through and, and correct a soldier and not know what you're talking about, what regulation it comes from or whatever it might be. Now, if you come to me talking about my shoestrings untied and can't tell me what a regulation is, man, we got some problems. If you oh, tell yeah, me, right. <laughs> yeah, if you sit here and, and you don't listen to the things that I bring up that I'm going through or dealing with as my leader, I know you don't care about me. You just worried about getting the job done. I always told my leaders that there's two different types of balls. You have a rubber ball and you have a glass ball. All right. The rubber ball is the mission. The glass ball is them soldiers. If you drop that glass ball, you can't get it back. But that rubber ball, guess what? There could be multiple missions that come around after, you know, after you drop one. 
ain't nothing gonna really happen to you. But you drop that soldier, you messing up, man. You can't you can't uh lose out on your family, the soldiers, yourself, and then also when it comes to uh anything else that you got going on on a personal aspect, because you'll lose yourself. I love that. Don't drop a glass ball. Right. And then you that analogy just pretty much emphasizes more so how important that uh taking care of your junior guys are or anybody in your working space because we you mentioned earlier about everybody's nobody's a machine right right and you kind of bring me back to some of my experiences in the military where they used to say that i act like i run on batteries yeah (laughs) because i I would uh i would find the it's funny so my hours were zero eight to eleven in the morning Mm -hmm. I take a nap between 13, 16, wake back up from 19 to 22 and then sleep for four hours and then wake back up from zero three to zero eight. And so that's how I was able to kind of monitor because we on the ship, on a carrier, everything's 24 hours. Everybody, nobody's ever sleeping. Everybody's always up at some point. We just have shifts. Right. But that's how I was able to kind of manage all types all throughout the days, though, the peak hours, at least. Right. And it took me uh, having to kind of take a step back and look at how do my guys think I value them? Because it's not the concept of they work for me. I, I'm, I'm there for them right? because I got where I got, but I need to be able to make sure I can take care of them and not look like this, uh, this distant uh, robot that's calculating robot in the corner that just only deals with discipline and regulations versus having a heart, having compassion. And when you are actually going through some things, you feel uncomfortable to talk to me about it because there was a few times where I wouldn't hear about something devastating happen until way after the fact. And I'm like, when did this happen? I'm like, Oh, it happened like weeks ago. Right. Uh, You know, so they would only share with one of the other guys. And so it kind of, it kind of made me feel the way I, you know, I talked to my wife about like, Oh, like, I feel like I, I thought I was doing the right thing or, my what i'm seeing on paper right on paper we're doing we're effective but my guys i was let's just say my guys mentally right it could be better and you're right if you do it right a sailor will feel like or a soldier will feel like they'll run through a brick wall for you right or versus hey i'm gonna do it because i don't want to get in trouble right it's a whole lot different effort and when somebody actually doesn't want to disappoint you You'd be surprised at how creative they get with the tasks they are given. Yep. And it makes everything a lot more efficient. I love it, actually. Absolutely. I'm 100% in agreement with you on that, man. Like, uh, you, you really don't have to really focus on the task once it's been delegated down because you know they're going to go above and beyond to make sure it gets done. And a lot of times, you know, uh, I always say check, check, recheck again. And, um, but in the process, you know what I'm saying? Like, Hey, you got to trust, but verify. And along mm-hmm. the way, when you, you know, you give them that, that opportunity where you empower them to go and do whatever it is, what you told them to do. But then you also want to verify now in the process, you can always be like, Hey, you know what I'm saying? Like you did this all by yourself. I just, I did this all by myself. Well, Hey, great job. You know, he probably don't know that you checking on him, but at the same time, you just complimented on him and gave him a little boost of encouragement. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So and, and so I wanted to um your author, right? And so I wanted to make sure that we pinpoint on your books. Okay. Absolutely. And so one that stood out to me, um, and it looks like this is your most recent one, was uh winning the battle from within. And right, so right. I really want to make sure I pinpoint on these because uh first of all, it's awesome that you're self-published. I looked, you. I looked to try to do the same. And so let's let's dive deep and let's dive into the winning the battle within. Uh, just talk a little bit about that. What made you what made you want to write that book? I, uh, what we were speaking about earlier, just dealing with mental health, um, just dealing in that aspects of uh, not always having to seek uh, therapy in order to uh, help yourself along that journey. I know that I, that I wasn't the only person dealing with those things. And also in the aspects of me titling the book that it was just the fact that the biggest enemy that we'll ever face in life is our enemy, our mind. You understand what I'm saying? So it was like, man, how do I overcome this battle with my mind? Because all battles are are not on the battlefield. Majority of the battles that we face are in our minds. 
But then at the same time, all wounds that we have are not visible. A lot of wounds that we have are internal. So okay. how do we help people to actually, you know, like I said before, grow through and not just go through? So therefore, a lot of times when I was going through a lot of the battles that I faced dealing with adversity, I suppressed the pain. Now that wasn't dealing with it successfully. That was all, I was just waiting for an opportunity to explode off somebody. But in this book, I explain how to, you know, go through those journeys successfully and really realize what it takes in order to win the battle within. And um, I speak about not only from a personal aspect, some things that you can do to help yourself, but then I also talk about dealing with your child, dealing with your family, dealing with relationships, because all these things affect you in some type of way. I got this analogy where I got the four canteens, right? You know, a canteen is, is something that we drink out of in order to hydrate. Now, just think about all the stress that you deal with every day, every day, whether it's, you know, showing up late for work, whether it's getting into a, 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 a argument with your spouse, whether it's just uh, getting in trouble on the job, all these things add up. And not only that, but you also still haven't got over the childhood drama that I mean, trauma that you dealt with or the things that you experienced earlier throughout your life. So I call these the four canteens because you got to have mental, a mental canteen, a physical canteen, a social canteen and a spiritual canteen. Now, when you have all these canteens filled up, you can easily hydrate off of, off of those canteens in order to make sure that you relieve yourself of all the stress that you deal with. You won't be dehydrated. You understand what I'm saying? I love because, that. Yeah, because once you deal with all these stressors, you're dehydrated. You're on the verge of really, you know, ending it all or taking your own life or whatever it might be, because they all add up, you know, over time. But then when you drink these canteens, you're hydrating yourself. You're hydrating yourself to a point, like on the mental aspect, feeding yourself with positive things. On the physical aspect, exercising. On the spiritual aspect, daily devotional and prayer, meditation, whatever that might be. And then on the social aspect, call a loved one. Reach out to your mom, your dad, sister, mm -hmm. brother, whoever it might be. Hey, man, I got this going on. It's good to hear your voice. You might laugh, joke about things that y'all experienced growing up. It's a, it's a sense of relief if you got a good friend, a spouse, whatever it might be, that's social. So those four canteens will relieve you a lot of things that you deal with and hydrate you along your journey. Now, I love how you broke that down. And then the other two books uh, that you've written was A Quick Cure to Successful Leadership. And we spoke a little bit about that. And then right. I like this title, The Compass, right. Uh, right. Leadership, uh, Leaders Navigate uh, Change. So that's a very interesting title. I like the cover on it too, man. Thank you. Uh, you. You're starting to build uh, quite a catalog, interesting catalog that I definitely want to look into. And there's short reads, too. So it's nothing that's going to uh, intimidate anybody like, oh, man, 300 pages, exactly. you know, 70 pages, 48 pages. So something that is got great, rich content and I can right. absorb it probably in a day or two. Exactly. Exactly. Something that you I have people that have read my book on numerous occasions, multiple times and not had they can they can start from any chapter of the book and gain something from it every time, something different every time. I have people that have uh, said, man, you just hit me with the meat and potatoes. I ain't have to worry about getting to the end of the book after 200 and something pages. They were like, I loved it. You know, it was just something quick, fast and efficient. You know, it brought value to me. I, I understood everything that you brought up. And then it was relatable because I was speaking about not only my life, but then also giving like other things that uh, was going on in the world today, which made it easy for people to just take it and run with it, which I've been blessed to have this opportunity. And uh, in my book, The Compass, Leaders Navigate Change. It's like I said earlier, there's a big difference between managers and leaders. And I think a lot of people don't know the difference between the two. And I also think uh, a lot of inspiring leaders, people that want to enhance their leadership skills, this is the perfect guide for them because uh, it speaks about having a growth mindset. It speaks about uh, effective communication, how to build a high performance team. It speaks about um, the four stages of building a high performance team. It speaks about um, the channels, the higher echelons, the, the uh, chain of command when it comes down to uh, working in any type of organization. Like who's like, what, where do you fit in? 
what are some of the things that you need to do? It gives scenarios. It gives like, um, um, like what you want to call it, action steps that you can take in order to develop these skills in order for you to be a phenomenal leader. That's why I say be the change. Leaders navigate change. That's what you are supposed to do as a leader. You navigate change. You navigate change for the better. And so these are topics that you're very passionate about. And I can tell that, yeah, we probably have a whole nother episode about your own personal uh, trials and tribulations. So to sum it all up, uh, what is your rich state of mind? Or is we, you know, what's your big why as to why you, you're doing what you're doing right now in your life? So my, my big why, man, I'm going I'm to be honest with you. My paradigm shift after my mother passed. And I noticed that in the process of her death, like once me and my siblings leave, that's it. She no longer exists. Uh, you know, I got my kids, but they're all at a younger age and they never got the opportunity to really interact with her. And they never really got the opportunity to really, you know, get feel that piece of her like I did. So my paradigm shift to the point where I wanted to create generational wealth for my kids. So if you notice, I'm on my third book. So I'm getting ready to write a fourth one for my other child. So I got four kids. So I want to leave these books to them. So therefore, they have some sense of revenue. And by the time they get to a 18 or whatever it might be, by that time frame, these would be like continuing to sell off the shelves or whatever it might be. Or it can be a doorway for them in order to have them elevate whatever it is. My dad wrote Winning the Battle Within. And I'm just continuing his legacy when it comes down to helping people develop a growth mindset, resilience, and character. You understand what I'm saying? So uh, in the process of that, though, I think everybody was built to serve, man. I think everybody was put on this earth to serve in some type of capacity. And I think that everybody has a story to tell and everybody wants to overcome some type of battle that they're dealing with in some kind of shape, fashion, or form. And some people don't know where to get the information from. And so I felt like it was um, given to me or bestowed upon me, man, um, just going through the motions of just learning myself in order to help the next generation become resilient leaders that try and succeed in life. How do I do that? Well, I can't go out here and just reach every one of them so I can put it in a book though. And if I do get the opportunity to speak in front of them, I provide that information as well. So that's what so I've been on a journey to do. And that's my rich state of mind as far as why I do what I do. And I love the fact that you write, you're writing each book per kid and then that's gonna be some passive income for them. Right. You know, when they, you know, become 18 plus. And I'm actually going to now I'm going to look into that as far as how I can do that for my kids, because I have two books that I'm uh, one that I'm writing right now. And then there's one uh, there's another one I want to write as well, for sure. And I'm curious on how I can do that. So definitely some great ideas. I'm old, I'm big on generational wealth as well. Right. Uh, and that's for me is real estate. So what I do is I have the our real estate properties in our underneath our business and then eventually what i'll be doing is putting it into trust and so putting some of the assets into a trust for the kids and so or and some people don't know too um you can use people you can use your kids whole life insurance as well as an investment tool you know to pro help propel them in the future and in their, in their younger years because they won't have credit right so i'm really big on that man i, I love i love that uh, sounds like you love your family and you're, you're a man of principles. And I, and I can really appreciate and respect that because I, I want, I would, I would like more men like yourself to be promoted and to be the, I would say that I call it the tip of the spear where that's, that's the lead in front of, of what a, a man is supposed to be, how right. he's supposed to uh, show, you know, be an example to not right. only his family, but to community as well. Right. And I think you're, you're a great representation of that. So thank, thank you for that. I really appreciate that, man. Likewise, man, like with everything you're doing, like as far as your age, man, like you you look real young, man. Like, how, <laughs> like uh, in your, you in your uh, late 20s? I'm, I'm, I just turned 30. Uh, well, I turned 30 about nine months ago. But yeah, yeah. Man. I wish I had your mindset when I was 30. I was still out there running and hitting the club scene and everything else, man. My, I, like I said, my paradigm didn't shift until I was like in my late 30s. So I think I was like roughly about 37 when everything shifted for me. So, you know, for you to be where you are right now, man, I wish I had your mindset at that time frame, man. So, hey, shout out to you, man. Phenomenal job, man. Keep on doing what you're doing. You're, you're a great 
role model, man, especially for the next generation, man. So I don't know if you ever thought about like, um, you know, uh, creating a course for like younger, you know, younger kids, man, especially like um, that's looking to get into real estate to show them something else outside of just you got to be an athlete in order to, you know, create generational wealth or to be a millionaire or anything like that, man. That'd be something that I think would be great for them to see, especially coming from somebody of your stature and your age, man. I think it'd be phenomenal. I have been actually, I've been talking to a company that they approached me and they wanted me to um, build a course with them. I I just told them, hey, you know, right now it's not my timeline because I'm supposed to be doing the, you know, writing the book. Right. And we just had a newborn last week. So for real, congratulations. Thanks. Thanks. So one thing I've had to learn, and this is something as a leader, this is something that even as somebody just trying to be successful is understanding what your, how much you can carry on your plate. And so we want to be successful and there's so many things that we want to do, so many ideas that we want right. to you know, accomplish, but we can't do them all at once because right. other things will fall to the wayside. Right. And so something that I did with, um, with my wife, she says, like, Anthony, what do you, what, what are we doing? What are we doing here? Cause Talking about buying commercial properties, you're trying to do a renovation right now, you're doing a book, podcast, bomb, bomb, bomb. I was like, all right, throughout this whole year, these two months, this is what we're going to focus on. This and this. When we get to, let's say, December, January, these are the things that we'll focus on. And by the time we get to the end of the 12 months, all the things we want to do is accomplished, but we're doing it in a segment so that we're making sure that we are accomplishing each thing. And because I, I will, I like to just, put myself in situations where my plate is full. Cause I don't know. It's just, if I see a good opportunity, it doesn't matter how busy I am. I'm like, Oh, another opportunity. I want to miss it. But she kind of tethers me and like, all right, look, let's break it down, lay it out for us. And so that we can be productive and not things not slip. Everything was done effectively. And we didn't, you know, lose a limb along the way just to say, Hey, we did it though. Right. And I'm like bleeding, <laughs> internal bleeding <laughs> and, you know, losing an arm and stuff. Right. And <laughs> Right. So she's really good on that. And I would advise anybody, if you have dreams and things that you want to accomplish, obviously there's a lot of mini steps that you have to do or small actions you have to accomplish mm-hmm. to get to that big thing. Okay. Break it down. And obviously it's not going to go to the T exactly how you want it to go. Right. But if you have a plan laid out, you could probably at least accomplish 80% of it the way you wanted it. And the other 20% is just of other factors in life that you can't account for. Right. It sounds like a, uh... This analogy that I got, man, called uh, uh, not analogy, but an acronym called GPS. Okay. So, um, you know, a GPS, you have it in your car, on your cell phone. It's not Tum Tum, it's not Garmin, but it's goals, purpose, and a strategy. And it sounds okay. like that's all, that's what exactly what you explained to me. You got a goal, you got your purpose, and you got a strategy in order to achieve it. So those are some things I always tell people to do. And I break that down each step, man, like the goals on how you how you need to write the vision and make it plain, your purpose, your why, like who are you doing this for and what you what's, what's the purpose behind doing it? Who are you serving in the process? And then the strategy. I don't know nobody that can't get from point A to point B without a map. So you always need to make sure that you uh, figure out a strategy in order to get from point A to point B. So absolutely man you seem like you got you know your head on the swivel when it comes down to that one yeah I, I attest a lot to my um my father and a lot to the leadership i had um, coming up in the navy actually and thank god i wasn't uh too hard-headed to yeah. not uh, understand some of the things that they were trying to teach me so i and i hope that in an episode like this maybe this is what somebody needs to hear right you know and it's funny right you probably heard it from one person but it takes hearing it from that second person for you to probably sometimes be like all right let me I got to get my stuff together, <laughs> you know? Right, right. Uh, so yeah. hopefully uh, this episode is the second person or the second time you're hearing this particular uh, thing that you, you may need to self-correct or maybe get yourself out of a rut and, and build up that type of uh, motivation, that that right. uh, eyesight to, uh, to mind versus mindsight uh, type situation. Or the like, I like the Tom Brady theory that you brought up too. And I'm actually a Patriots fan. I failed to mention that earlier. For real? I'm but- a Falcons <laughs> fan, man. So you can imagine how I feel. So I don't like Tom Brady. <laughs> But at the same time, I can't knock his hustle when it comes to who he is, right? So, yeah, yeah. Uh, painful loss, man. Yeah. You know, real quick, it was pretty <laughs> hilarious. We were, I was the only person in, in that living room at the time that wanted the Patriots to win. 
And everybody's just drilling me, like, in my face, like, yeah, 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 yeah. during that game. And, you know, it's funny. I don't even have to mention the game, what it was, but everybody knows what I'm talking about, probably. Oh, if you follow man. football, you know what game I'm talking about. Man. And it was just such sweetness, just uh, looking at that unfold. You was, man. It's not – it wasn't real. Like, you felt like what you was watching wasn't even real. For real. I, I felt, man, like, this can't be real, man. They threw the whole game, man. That second half, I was like, man, I was, like, one of those guys, man. I had my jersey on. I was talking much crap. I was like, yeah, we doing this, we doing that. And then all of a sudden, that second half, I just got quieter and quieter. Yeah, it did. Got very quiet. And, you know, yeesh, that, that was a funny, that was a funny night. Yeah. But, uh, hey, Sylvester, it's been, it's been an honor, man. I really appreciate Absolutely. your time. Uh, definitely looking forward to uh, staying in contact. I actually have somebody that I want you to, to I'm going to forward to you. You and him remind me of each other a lot. He's a retired mass chief named Leon Walker. Okay. Uh, he was on one of my episodes as well. So if anybody's listening, listen to that episode. Man has a great story. And I feel like you and him, he also wrote a, a book uh, as well. Okay. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Big, he, yeah, man, that, that guy's story is real raw and you can definitely relate to his, uh, to his journey. So uh, thank you, man, for your time, man, and uh, definitely take care. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity, man. Take care. Thank you for sticking with us from the start of the episode. Please share our show with friends and family, visit our YouTube channel, and view more of our content on richstateofmind.com. See you next week on the Rich State of Mind Show.